0: And the installation makes a parallel uh, between the official definition of what is a museum and what is the role that indigenous territories have in comparison to those definitions, because it's, everything is there. Museums and indigenous territories are, uh, they bring together the past and possibilities of the future. They safeguard heritage for all for people and future generations. They are not for profit. So the installation is a provocation for us to rethink, you know, do we need to create new buildings? Do we need to have museums in big cities? Or actually we have it all there, but we are looking at a, uh, maybe at a different direction. Is a museum more useful for climate action than an indigenous territory? I think that is the central question, is it? Yeah. I don't, I'm confident that it's not. And I think this is the, the provocation and I, 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 it's a crazy idea but it's uh the intention behind is to is to inspire other museum professionals to rethink the practices because yeah. the practices of you know indigenous work in museums is you know very often deeply problematic and it's a call for those the museum sector for museums and creative practitioner practitioners curators to actually engage in the fight of those local communities for their land, for their rights, you know, I think we can be better allies of those communities if we had a deeper connection and a a, a deeper relationship uh, with those communities.
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. This is the Ignoramus Guide to Surviving Humanity. I'm Wei Chan. This is my co-host, Ileana Chan. Hi! And we have here (laughs) my dear friend, Tiago Jesus. Am I pronouncing it right? I never say your surname. It is Jesus. It's not Jesus, is it? It's not Jesus. Well, it can be anything,
0: to be honest. It's a very, very, it's a world famous
1: name, right? (laughs) So you can call in any way, yeah
2: people really do call you jesus though
1: yeah i okay. really enjoyed it because when we were in um like a festival together we ordered i believe like ice cream or drinks or something like that and then you give your name and then the, the guy couldn't find you so he just shouted like jesus jesus and everyone was kind of looking it was like good fun yeah
0: it's good okay. it's good when you go when i have to book uh tables at restaurants because i always call <laughs> oh, jesus Oh my God,
1: really? and you're already,
0: it's always easier to get a reservation, yeah. It's never <laughs> well, for 12 look. people.
1: Yeah. But... <laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, look, you are my personal Lord and Savior, I have to say, um, and uh, a bit of a hero. Um, so we Ooh. really wanted to get you on um, the podcast because we've been covering um, a lot about Southeast Asia, uh, we also interviewed uh, people from Southeast Asian tribes or with a background in Southeast Asian tribes, and uh, we have never covered uh, the amazing work that you do with um, indigenous tribes in Brazil, the Kukurra, the Shinguru, the Kukurra. Yeah, yes. Right. Kui Kura, yeah. Did you, you did you like my pronunciation there? You just very like, good pronunciation. Of, yeah, yeah. Kui Kui the Kui Kui Kuro. Kui Kuro. Kui Kuro. That sounds Japanese, huh? Yeah, I mean. I'm sorry. I speak Japanese, that's why. It could be. Well, like, the artist's name is Takuma, which is... Takuma, yes. Ah, okay. Takuma. I mean, that's a very... There is a male name in, in, in Japan called really uh, Takuma, yeah. Wow.
2: So Takuma is the um, artist that you worked on to do, like, several documentaries? Yes.
0: So Takuma is... a. Uh... He is an indigenous filmmaker from this community that we uh, mentioned, Kuikuru. and uh, the. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Kuikuru and then I go into Tacoma. So the Quikuru are uh, uh, an indigenous community in Brazil of around 650 people. Uh, they live in six different villages inside the Xingu Indigenous Territory. The Xingu Indigenous Territory is um, is a be- very big uh, indigenous land that was demarcated by the Brazilian government in 1961. And there, there are the Kikuru living there and also 15 other indigenous groups. So there's a total of about 7,000 people, indigenous people living in that territory. It's a very big territory, the size of, size of Belgium, uh, to give you uh, an idea. And uh, yes, and, and, and one of them is the Kikuru. And uh, Takuma is uh, an indigenous filmmaker that we met in 2014, and he's uh, he's an artist, he's an activist, he's an indigenous researcher that uses filmmaking uh, and uh, the practice of making films and cinema to document aspects of the culture of his community. So his work he does is sort of twofold. So there is, he learned how to make cinema and how to use the camera so he could document the traditional knowledge of, of, of his community that is disappearing over time. And at the same time, so he creates films and documents of, of, uh, and, and registers of, of rituals, of dances, of practices. So he can document and sort of create a digital library of everything um, uh, that, you know, that makes that community unique and that is valuable for them. So there is that work that he does, and at the same time, he started using uh, cinema and filmmaking uh, as a way also of raising awareness of the local struggles of his community and other communities in the Xingu uh, indigenous territory as well. So it's, it's, it's both a tool of preservation and a weapon uh, of, of resistance, of creating visibility for those communities in the region. To clarify for people who are listening, I, I'll just go back to, to, to the relationship with Takuma because I think it's important to, to let people know how we got to where we are as well yeah. because we, we met Takuma in 2014 and uh, we were producing a visit to, to the Amazon for the production of a play in the UK about the Amazon. Uh, and then we met Takuma there uh, and we commissioned him, we invited him to come to London to do a documentary uh, about London from an indigenous perspective. And, and, and so he came and uh, he created this really interesting funny film uh, called London as a village. short what documentary about London and Londoners and the tribes that he found in London <laughs> for his <laughs> nice. community. So, nice. it, it, so it's a film that goes uh, partly in Portuguese, part in, in his uh, native language in Caribbean, And uh, and it was really interesting because it was made for his community and not for our, uh, our audience. Mm-hmm. Really refreshing for us to see London through a different perspective. It's really refreshing Mm. to to see, you know, what actually interested him Mm. when he arrived here. It was his first trip abroad. So he came to do this film in London. And while he was here, he told us he wanted to create, he envisioned uh, the the idea or the opportunity to create an exchange program between indigenous and non-indigenous artists. He was like, Mm. look, this is what I'm doing here, this is uh, how amazing this experience is, I would love to have other indigenous artists from my community, from different communities to have a similar experience, and I would also love to have artists that have never been to the Amazon that don't know about indigenous fight or indigenous culture to come to my house, to my territory, to our land, and to produce something as well in in a equal partnership way, in collaboration way. So We we co created with him during that visit the shaping of a program, a residency programme in the Shingu, so that we could invite artists to artists from the UK, you know, and and other countries as well, Brazil, UK and other countries as well to to collaborate with him in his work in his work of documenting the Kikuru culture.
2: So, Takuma brought the news to us here that. WC. WC. Project. Brought this project the artistic Residency in Tusco. Yeah, yeah. Palace. With the And we
1: said,
2: yes, very good. So, we are here to, to welcome you. To meet you.
0: He you know, he knows how, how to do filmmaking, he's a filmmaker, and then we thought what we could, we, we together, we were thinking how, what kind of expertise or technology would be new for him, for them in the community that could take, you know, that could enhance his skills and, 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 and the community as well. So, and in art forms or, or languages, uh, yeah, I'm going to say languages and technologies and expertise. I'm trying to find the right word to, 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 to encompass everything. But methodologies that were participatory, you know, that could involve people in the community to participate and that would allow the indigenous communities, to, the, the, the indigenous artists, to be the leading agents in the process of exchange, not the passive receivers. Of what was, was going to happen during the residency. Um, and uh, he loved that idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we started fundraising. Takuma built a traditional house. He, uh, uh, this is brilliant because, you know, in the community, they live in like a, a big circle and there are like this massive family houses. You know, they have the, this traditional uh, architecture technology of building them.
1: It had um, a name, didn't it, in the in the documentary? Yeah, it's things, called it? Orca. Orca is, is how we yeah. call indigenous houses. Yeah, mm-hmm. they call it house. You know? Oh, they just call
0: it a house. It just <laughs> yeah, means house, yeah. It's it's it house. just means
1: yeah, house.
0: Yeah, this is yeah, my house, okay. yeah. He thought the, the best way for us to do that is to actually... We have to build a house for these artists to live in the village with us. So they built the community built a traditional house in the middle of the circle with everyone's house. Mm-hmm. And that house became a an art, artist residency center uh, where everyone that would go would leave, be there, stay with there, and the community would come and go and work from there. And it became a a huge community center in the end. It was fantastic. And we produced between 2017 and 2018, three visits to three residencies. All of them had uh, 15 days because we were very, yeah, it was like 15 days of immersion in the village, working together with the indigenous artists. And uh, for groups of 10 artists each, There were 30 non-Indigenous artists in total. Uh, And people that we invited were, you know, set designers, uh, photogrammetry experts, sound designers, writers, virtual reality developers. uh, Everything that we considered that we fought together with him that would add another layer of expertise to what he wanted to achieve as an artist. So everyone came uh, with the intention, nobody was paid to do that. It was all free, uh, not free, you know, we were, we had support, it all happened because we were funded by the research councils in the UK, but it wasn't like a, uh, an open call or, you know, it wasn't like, it, it was. A, it was properly curated because we understand that there was a huge impact uh, having 15 artists, a, a, a community that lives isolated in the forest, having 10 artists coming to spend 15 days there with different technologies, it has a massive impact on the daily life of the community. So we had to curate uh, people uh, by their, you know, expertise, by the technologies, by their sense of collaboration, about their interest in spending, in having that experience there. Uh, And it was all very new, it was a huge experiment for us. So in each of these residences, we sort of tried a different approach, uh, or there was always like a purpose. We would go on a visit and we would together meet the community at the center of the the village. Uh, And then the artists would introduce themselves to the community. We would show what they are doing, show films, uh, drawings, and then the community would come and suggest things and then together during these 15 days they would create something together work together uh and and it was fantastic it's like changed my life that that experience is, is
1: you know it stays with yeah. you forever i mean it's so forever. Almost, a, almost a month each time and and yeah. um, i just one thing that stuck out when when you told me about it like when you first went years ago is that it's very, very difficult to get there. Very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the journey. Yeah. It's
0: not, yeah. It's, 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 not, it's, 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 it's not difficult, but it, it, it's, it... yeah, well, so for me, fly in London, Rio, or Sao Paulo, and then you take another flight to Brasilia. So it's an 11-hour flight here to Rio. That was my journey, mm-hmm. 11 hours. And then you stay in Rio and then you take another flight three hours to Brasilia which is the capital of the country
1: mm-hmm. and then from
0: Brasilia you have to take a bus that goes for 17 hours on a road so you sleep on that this bus 17 hours and then you get to a city called Canarana which is in another state of the country and this is the last uh, sort of city outside the indigenous territory and then you sleep there it's a small agricultural rural city uh and uh, from this city you have to depending it depends on the season. So if it's in the rainy season, you have to take a car around four hours by car, and then you get to the, oh the the edge of the river, and then you take a boat, and then it's like eight hours on a boat, and then you get to the port of the community, and then you take a motorbike, whatever they have available there, a truck, and then you get into the village. If it's dry season. If it's because the seasons there are very are very well divided so there's the rainy season which starts in September. Well, oh, it's changing now because of climate change, but it starts in September and it goes until April. that's the when it rains every day and then it's dry season. it doesn't rain any single day from April until September. So the beginning and the end of those seasons were the right moments we discovered were the best moments for us to to do this residency. So we always did the residency in May and one around September, yeah. And uh, so it's, yeah, it was, and and when it was a dry season, then you can drive through the forest because they have built, the communities have built roads uh, connecting their villages to the city because lots of those indigenous, those people, they have, jobs in the city, they work um, or you know, go to hospital, visit relatives, uh, work, um, go to the bank, you know, they live in this, this ongoing exchange between the very traditional life and the community and also having a door to, uh, you know, a non-indigenous life six hours away by, <laughs> you know, by, by, by motorbike or by car. So, so it is a long journey. It's not difficult, it's just long. Long, yeah. long. Yeah.
2: So, and, is and that, one of
0: the, sorry.
2: Uh, go ahead. I was just going to ask if the um, work that they did, the artwork is available for us to see.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well.
2: Okay.
1: So, uh,
0: <laughs> that was actually my, yeah. what I was going to bring because from these residencies, well, one of the important things to mention about the residencies as well is that the residences were not just in the village. Every residency that we did was in the village and in the city. So we were taking. So for example, we would take ten non-indigenous artists to the Shingu. We would take ten indigenous artists to Rio, mm-hmm. to São Paulo, to not to London. Ten because it would be <laughs> too expensive to, to to bring that. But Takuma and always we we every year we brought Takuma and an artist with him to London, and we would do a group of indigenous artists in Rio in museums and galleries there so this residency was twofolded because it, it was it was an attempt to 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 get this experience that was reciprocal as reciprocal mm-hmm. as equitative as possible
1: mm-hmm. so
0: we would bring artists from the periphery of Rio to the Shingu and we would take indigenous artists to those favelas in Rio as well to experience something completely new and to create new work based on those settings, in the, those favelas as well or in London or in Madrid or you know wherever we were taking them so it was uh, it was always about that producing something that was um, uh, for the community mm-hmm. uh, that was responding the needs of the community the desires of the community of safeguarding their culture of raising awareness, international awareness, finding new languages uh, to talk about issues, uh, developing new skills for the community. So there are lots of, you know, different uh, desires uh, generate money for the community as well. Uh, There were lots of desires there uh, that we were trying to, to to achieve with that experience, and wh- when I say making money, it's important to say that n- no work was commercial. So all of the work belongs to the community. Everything that was created in the in the in the in the, those residences belong. They have uh, the Kwikuro have intellectual property of that work. Uh, no, they are not for sale or anything. But we had exhibitions. We have you know events, and if there was money. Made out of those uh, displays or exhibits or you know events, they would all go to the Indigenous Association. So it was a really interesting way to to support the community to in in in, in dialoguing with you know the state of art, you know mm-hmm. what people are doing outside of creating a platform of dialogue between indigenous artists and world-renowned artists, you know? And I think this is what, and we, we uh, talking about the artworks, as you said, uh, everything that was created and we, we, we managed to, we had, everyone that went to the residency was really invested in showcasing that work in a, in a sort of international platform. So, because people were so invested in in collaborating, participating. They have developed such a, a solid partnership with the community that it became something that they carry on with the work. So we had exhibitions and displays of this work at Tate Modern. We had an exhibition at the Horniman Museum. You did, uh, yeah. There were, yeah, you went, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: there was, uh, there were exhibitions in New York, in Madrid, of course, in Rio, in São Paulo, and you know, so it, it was fantastic to see how those free experiences actually created a, uh, I would say, an alliance of artists and cultural practitioners that are that became really invested in supporting those exchanges, and they are these people make every effort to have that work. Uh, available to different audiences and they became you know they are they are talking about it they are speakers person for those communities and they are connecting us to 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 other artists doing work it's just growing you know and the the work that we are doing right now are all consequence of those connections that we we have been doing before. So we have four projects. So the first one that we opened in uh, May, we have an installation at the central pavilion at the Venice Biennale. Biennale was uh, postponed because of of the COVID. So, and it has affected our plans. We were planning to actually build a house, a traditional house
1: Uh in the
0: main pavilion at the Biennale. But because of the COVID, because we had to rethink the way that we were u- using those resources that we had available to respond to the community needs during the pandemic. So we had to rethink our participation. And we have now a, a video installation that is a, a collaboration between Takuma and Gringo Cardia, who is one of Brazil's leading art directors. And he was one of the resident artists uh, in the Shingo. So he was invited to participate. In the Biennale. And when he learned the theme of the Biennale, the theme of the Biennale was is how will we, we live together? Mm-hmm. And then he said, it, there, There's no work for me to do here. We have to bring the indigenous work. There, there's no future for humanity if we don't mm-hmm. live in coexistence with nature, if we're talking mm-hmm. about architecture, if we are yeah. rethinking our human relationship with the environment. Uh, so he he, he, he used his platform to bring Takuma and they produced a film that is showcased in the main pavilion of the Biennale. And it's a, like a, a celebration uh, of indigenous ways of living.
2: The installation is called Oka Red, Living Beyond the End of the World. And it's an installation created by an indigenous filmmaker called Takuma Quicuru. He's from the Quicuru indigenous communities in the Xingu territory, in the Amazon rainforest. And it's a collaboration with Gringo Cardia, who is one of Brazil's leading designers and architects, and an arts research center in London called People's Policy Projects. And the installation is an invitation to the public of the Biennale to engage with the indigenous ways of living together collectively and in harmony with nature. So the installation tries to answer the central question of the Biennale, how will we live together? Because we truly believe that these indigenous communities, they have the answer to these questions for thousands of years, which is the way that they connect with nature, the way that they live collectively, and the way that they see nature as an extension of their own lives.
0: That opened another door for us in Venice as well, because we have been,
1: I'm so happy about that.
0: But we have been invited to contribute to the installation that Olaf Eliasson has at oh the Oh
1: my god. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> no.
0: I know. Yeah, it's uh... insane. So this is like how things escalate, you know. Yeah. And uh, no, I'm hoping I will meet him in November if I go yeah. there in the last week of, of, of November. When I went to the Biennale, made to the opening, I had everything ready, like I was I rehearsed in the mirror what I'm going to say to Olafur, I'm going to meet him, he's my... You know, <laughs> but <laughs> oh he wasn't there. <laughs> Can
2: you explain to me, the ignoramus, what is the significance of this artist? Like oh, what?
0: Olafur is, I think, uh, I'm going to talk about my personal views on Olafur. I think he is the most important contemporary artist uh, that we have uh, in the moment. I, I, I think he's like the, the Leonardo da Vinci of, of our time and i think that he he i think I, I suggest you google his work but i think what is most impressive about him is that how he i think he was the the first artist uh in a global the profile that he has that managed to translate and materialize materialize what the climate crisis is with that work of the 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 icebergs bringing the icebergs in, uh, to to the city of Paris dr- during the the COP uh, in Paris where there was the Paris Agreement which is the most important so far the most important agreement for treaty for climate crisis and I think he's the guy that has this incredible social work he translates really well the social work with the contemporary with his contemporary practice with with light with forms and shapes and sounds and colors, I think. And people in the UK probably know him really well because of the sun that was at Tate Modern in 2005, maybe. Yeah, so Olafur was invited to, to do this, uh, you know, one of the main installations at in the Venice Biennale and he, he created it collaboratively. So he invited some of the exhibitors, you know, people who were showcasing their work in the Biennale to donate an object and a video to, to his work. And uh, Takuma recorded a video of the Kuaruti, which is the main ritual of, of, of the, all the communities in the Shingu, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a annual celebration that brings together eight different communities to celebrate uh, the passing, to mark the passing of the people who have died that year Uh, to end the sadness. So it's a mourning, it's a three-day ritual and in the first day everyone arrives. On the second day they cry uh, the passing of the people and they celebrate them and then it's the end of crying. They cry and then nobody can cry anymore because you have to release that spirit to nature. And then the third day is the rebirth of the spirit in nature. So it's a party, it's a celebration. Where everybody dances and they do the, the uka uka fight, which I which I spoke before in the film that he recorded. Oh, yeah. And at the center of the parupi there is a trunk. So the people who passed, uh, they decorate. They bring some trunks from the, the forest. They decorate those those trunks with objects, personal objects of that that person, like the headpieces, their you know their necklaces personal items and they decorate that trunk uh they celebrate they cry they mourn around that trunk and when the sadness is over they take that trunk and they release it into the water in the river because it's like they they in in their cosmology uh man was men was created from the trunk the man was carved in the trunk and when he dies. They decorate the trunk, so he goes back into nature. It's uh-huh. like a passing of going back to nature, of, oh re, re, of rebirthing in nature.
1: Like
0: yeah, <laughs> so it's a beautiful way of thinking about death, of, of thinking about grieving, about yeah. how we are connected. You know, humans and nature are connected, connected. Uh, and I think it's interesting to think, you know, in a in a post pandemic world. Uh, we are not there in a post-pandemic world but in a pandemic mm-hmm. world it's really interesting to think about those connections and the, and the joy of greasing Yeah, that those communities have as well um, so so yeah so that is, is part of Olafur's installation now in Venice as well oh my so there are these two installations that are there at the Venice Biennale The Biennale closes now on the 21st of November so yeah but you but you can find some information there's a video there are some interviews on on the Biennale's website if anyone if you can't go to anything you know how difficult it is for people to travel <laughs> uh the second work that we have on at the moment is in Glasgow that also opened in June and July and that is uh my work with Takuma, my first artwork myself I, I'm you oh, know okay. as, as I'm a producer and uh creative practice practitioner and researcher, but it's the first time that I actually created something in collaboration with Takuma and it's a it's an installation for an exhibition called reimagining museums for climate action
1: which is on
0: at the Glasgow Science Center so it's part of the blue zone it opened in May and it's going to be on until the end of COP which I think is on the 12th of November And as I said, the name of the the exhibition is Reimagining Museum for Climate Action. And it was an international competition asking people to radically reimagine and redesign the museum as an institution in the climate change era. So I worked with Takuma in this video installation that is a provocation actually to to the museum sector, to museum professionals. And it asks uh, what would mean to confer museum status to indigenous territories, especially indigenous territories who have not yet been granted fully, uh, full property rights. So, and uh, I, it, it's, a, it's a 13 minute video that has uh, Takuma and other indigenous collaborators as well. There's this is stunning animation there from another indigenous artist called Denilson Baniwa. And there are quotes uh, from indigenous activists and, and leaders from Brazil as well, and it's uh, an installation makes a parallel uh, between the official definition of what is a museum and what is the what is a museum, you know, and what is the role that indigenous territories have uh, in comparison to those definitions, because it's, everything is there, you know, museums and indigenous territories are. Uh, they bring together the past and possibilities of the future they safeguard heritage for for old people and future generations they are not for profit so the installation is a is a is a provocation for us to rethink you know do we need to create new buildings do we need to have museums in big city f- or actually we have it all there but we are looking uh at a, uh, maybe at a different direction is a museum more useful for climate action than an indigenous territory? I think that is the central question. Is it? Yeah. I don't. I'm confident that it's not. And I think this is. So this is the this is the the provocation. And I, I, I it's a crazy idea, but it's uh the intention behind is to is to inspire other museum professionals to rethink their practices because yeah. the practices of you know indigenous work in museums is you know, very often deeply problematic. And it's a call for those, the museum sector for museums and creative practitioners, curators to actually engage in the fight of those local communities for their lands, for their rights. You know, I think we can be better allies of those communities if we had a deeper connection and a a, a deeper relationship uh, with those communities. So this installation is one of eight other installations in this exhibition, which is really incredible. is really creative and imaginative.
2: When is it going to be
1: available?
0: Yeah, so uh, this this, this uh, video will be made available at the Google Arts and Culture app, um, I think, during the COP26. So I think it's going to have, happen between the 1st of November and the 21st first in the 21st of November, and not just my clip but all of the other eight exhibits, all of the, the, the works of, of this exhibition will be made available there. And I hope that this, I think this this installation is, is an ongoing work, is not a, a sort of finished film. At the moment, the video is very educational, because it is at the Glasgow Science Center, there is a public that is, you know, children, family, and science, you know, science-oriented schools. And and. so I think the film is very, it was created for that specific audience and for the limitations of the space that we were giving as well. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: it's not how the work will be showcased in different venues or in different iterations. So uh, I think it's uh, that, that video is a phase one only. I think that will be other questionings, there will be other ideas, there will be other footage that we want to be refreshing and rethinking the way that we tell those stories, those those, um, those concerns that we bring uh, mm-hmm. and those ideas that we bring in, in the video. I think we are gonna we're gonna rework for for different spaces. I want to translate into Portuguese and have it in Brazil, uh, in an exhibition. I have lots of ideas of how I want to exhibit it. Uh, and my ideas couldn't, you know, my initial ideas of, of the physicality of the work, I wanted to be a, an immersive experience, but because of COVID and because of the limitations of the space, we could not deliver in the way that we, I wanted it to, to be. So we I mean. it ended up being a, a video, uh which is fantastic for, for, for a science museum as it is. It's really interesting display for that. But I think, I, I, I believe in, in, in a more, I believe that I want it to be more sensorial and more immersive and relaxing. And, you know, I think there are other elements that I want to bring to the experience that are not, uh, that you cannot experience in the display right now. So that's why I don't want to make the, the, the video available on YouTube or on different platforms. It will be during COP, because this video is for COP26. It is mm-hmm. about a, a specific provocation for museum professionals to rethink their engagement with indigenous communities during COP26. During the most important, this COP has the potential to be the most important event of our generation, you know? So I
1: think it's wow. specific for that. Uh, yeah. But uh, you, you, you're nodding, way i I was just relating really hard to this to, to your to your point where like you just you don't want to make something like that available for anybody all of the time. you want like people to experience it in the way that you want to experience it. You don't want someone to be like on the toilet on their iPhone watching <laughs> your like, having a too like, on the yeah, toilet I don't know just, like sorry. <laughs> I have, so I have that actually kind of the more people humor, yeah. please watch
0: it in the toilet the more people <laughs> oh, yeah. watch you know the yeah. more informed people are about it
1: that's
2: but, a very but, private but, but it... place uh, though <laughs> so that's very immersed
1: you yeah, know yeah. But but cleansing, <laughs> cleansing a... the mind whilst cleansing the body at the same time <laughs> I really,
0: yeah. but but the, but the, but there is an element of the experience that I think it, 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 being immersive, it, it, it's, it's like going to a museum or watching an exhibition on, on a phone. We experienced both on, on, during the pandemic, isn't it? It is a different experience. It is a different, mm-hmm. uh, you have a different take on it. So I think that the work is funct- it, it functions really well for these exhibits, for the purpose of, of that exhibit, for that, that, you know, display, but it's not a definite work. It's not the end of, of that work. That's what I mean. So I want to do other iterations. I don't want to define mm-hmm. that work by how it looks or or right now. I want to take it to a different level over the, you know, the next years. Yeah.
1: It makes oh, sense. And when yeah. you talk about sensorial and, and and how you want people to experience things, are we talking sort of the the rainforest or um, or is it more about village life? What kind of sites and what kind of um, centers think, do you want to... Um, I, think, I, think,
0: I think this is something very personal, I think, mm-hmm. in a way that, for example, when I went to the village, this three this times that I went to, to, to the village, you can experience there is a, you are entering a different time There is a different sense of time. There is a a different sense of belonging. There is a different sense of, of, you know, you are immersed in a very different place. Uh, Time runs in a different way. That puts you into a space or a place where you are more open to meet the other, you know, to understand, you know, there is that, you know, you feel like a foreigner in a way, and you're more open to feel things differently. You know, I felt myself very differently every time that I was there. And uh, it, it is a life-changing experience for me, but uh, I think that it's very different when you when you go to a museum and, and, and see something for five seconds, 10 seconds. I think you need that time for to, or relaxation. You need that time. To answer, to discover, to feel, to be surprised, to be challenged, to think critically, and I think that that's what I want to explore. I think because I think that the video can have a different those questionings, the, those questions that I bring in the in in the installation can have a different impact if it's displayed in a different way. And the language that I used on the, on the captions right now, they are also very focused for that audience in the museum, you know, for that public, you know. So I think that if, for example, that work, if it was a work that was shown at the Venice Biennale, for example, it would be a completely different mm. iteration. Editing, video. you know, the questions are, are, are the same, but I would have worked differently. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that's what I want to say, you know, it's it's about, it's not a definite piece of work as it is right now, and I think that if I am allowed and if I'm granted an opportunity to have that journey for you to get to the video, and the video is, the the, the, the footage that Takuma did for the video is so mm-hmm. amazing, so cinematic, because mm-hmm. what what he does is he documents things from his perspective, you know, it's, he's, it's his camera looking in the eye of another indigenous person. It's, it's a kind of shot mm-hmm. that you, if you're not an indigenous filmmaker, you're not going to get, you know, mm-hmm. you don't see, you know, there is that he is representing his people. He's mm-hmm. telling that this is how I want to tell the story. And I think that he deserves, I think his images deserve a good, a good showcase, a good experience. I think, I think it also a respect, respecting the work that he's doing as well. And there is some footage, for example, in the video, in the in the installation of the fires and that he, the shingle last year as well. And that, wow. you know, so there is like incredible footage of him, so distressing of him with his mobile phone. He wasn't with his camera because they were there to fight the fire. And he was like documenting the journey of those firemen. When I mean firemen, it's not the firemen, It's the community volunteers that were trying to say they're trying to fight the fire so it doesn't get close to their houses. So it was like them on their own hands and and with equipment that they have available fighting the fire. It is so impactful. It's so, you know, and in a way so beautiful as well, you know, it's inspiring Mm -hmm. at the same time that is so shocking. Yeah, I think, I, think I, would, I would be very happy if people had the opportunity to see that. And it's one thing for us to see what's going on, the fires in the Amazon. And another thing is to see an indigenous person filming their community fighting for it in a moment that nobody can enter the community because of the pandemic. Nobody can be mm-hmm. there. They are isolating. So I think there are those layers of meaning that I think
1: are very interesting for people to see. Uh, And these are kind of the Amazon fires that people were talking about sort of posting all over the internet sort of last year, the year before last year. But it happens every Um, year, but it's getting worse
0: and worse and worse with Mm -hmm. the current government, with Bolsonaro's government.
2: The Ignoramus's Guide to Surviving Humanity is available as a podcast on Spotify and Amazon Music. You can also like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube. And if you want to help us grow, then you can become a patron on Patreon. And
1: that's it, right? I think that's, that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs>